0: You have your Bibles open to Luke chapter one, it's verses sixty-seven to seventy-nine. You've been through them twice now, and if I may simply cut to the chase, uh, this text has moved from silence to song, and the message of the song, if I might summarize it, or. Zechariah does in the very first verse, he sings and cries out, verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. That's the song. What comes out of him is God has visited us and accomplished redemption. Now he's speaking in the prophetic perfect. So as Rob reminded us last week in Mary's song, the prophetic perfect is when a prophet Speaks and says something. If I'm standing on this side of a timeline and the event is here, the prophet speaks about the event to come as if he's standing on this side of the event and said, It's already happened. It's done. Now, why would he do that? Because God's promises are that certain and sure. Now, I'm going to throw us a curveball. I threw myself one, I should say that. I think the Spirit threw me one yesterday morning, because as I spent my time in this text, I sensed where we need to go is elsewhere, actually, and not focus so much on the song, but focus in another place. I didn't even tell the team I was doing this, because it doesn't have anything, it won't mess up anybody's slides or anything. Excuse me. And if I can explain it this way, Um, you know, I love living in Nashville. Um, What's the nickname of our city? Music City. City. And you know, they call it Music City and we do not because concerts stop here. It's a great place to have a lot of venues. They call it Music City more in part because a lot of the music that the world hears is written here and uh, one of our favorite things to do, Lisa and myself, is, is to go to songwriter nights when we can <clears throat> because I love going to those things and it's not so much, honestly, you're not not so much to go hear the song you love, at least for me, it's to hear the backstory of the song I love and when I do, I love that song even more now, you know, that's you know, where it came from and I wanna suggest that in our, Study today, where we need to go, it's not the song, actually. it's the backstory. Because in the backstory to Zachariah's song, there are some faith lessons that are significant for any of us who want to prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus. and not just the coming, i.e., we celebrate His birth on the 25th but my relationship with him right now, my walk with Jesus right now. Surprisingly, maybe not, um, of all the songs that we're studying in our Advent season, uh, Zachariah's song has the most detail about his backstory. There's more to his backstory than all the others. And so with that, what I would like to do is tell you the backstory. I want you to keep your finger though, keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter one, because I am going to, um, I'm going to refer to some passages in the backstory. But for the most part, what I what I'd like to do, is uh, is simply tell you the backstory. Okay. With that, um, this is about a year before Jesus is born. And the, the, Luke describes it this way in, in, in the chapter one, there's a man, he's a priest, his name is Zachariah. He's married to Elizabeth. They are aged, advanced in years, beyond childbearing years. The text actually says they are righteous and that they are blameless in God's sight. And I want you to know, that doesn't mean they're sinless, absolutely not. But it means according to the law, they were upright, good, and godly people. And when you read that and you see that and you say, wow, there's this older couple, godly, blameless in the sight of the Lord, you don't expect what comes next. And they were barren. Elizabeth could have no child. And now she's past childbearing years. Older couple can't have children past childbearing years. Who does that make you think of? Who does it, what story in the Bible does it make you think of? Sarah? Yeah. You know, you know why it makes you think of that? Because it's supposed to make you think of that. that you know, when, you, when we understand and we read our whole Bible, it's like we'll read certain things and we'll go, that makes me think of so-and-so. You know why? Because that's what the Spirit of God wants us to think about. And, and Luke wrote it under the inspiration of the Spirit so that we would think about Abraham and Sarah. <clears throat> this sounds a lot like theirs. Yeah, it sounds a lot like it because it is a lot like it. Now, they could have no children. Now, he's a priest, and so twice a year, this is almost like being in the reserves, twice a year, he would have to go to Jerusalem to do his priestly duty, okay? So two times a year. And the, the, the Bible uses an interesting phrase to say, it just so happened that while he was doing his priestly duty, so he's away from Elizabeth, he's at the temple, that it was actually his turn by lottery to go into the temple and burn incense. Now, the significance of this is there were 18,000 priests about this time. Um, And every priest didn't get the privilege of burning incense in the holy place. See, the holy place would be the outer courts, all the people are. You go into the temple proper, so to speak, and you're in the holy place. And right in front of you is the holy of holies. Don't touch that curtain. (laughs) Don't open that curtain. Don't peek into that curtain. That is only for the high priest to go in once a year. But for a priest to get to burn incense in the holy place was huge. I, 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 it's hard for, I can't put into words how significant this was other than to say, of the 18,000, some of those men <clears throat> lived and died, served in the temple for 40 years and never got to do it. <clears throat> the only way you get to do it is you do it by lottery. So they have a lottery. Priests show up for the day, everybody takes the lottery. Two priests get the right lottery. One does the, the incense in the morning, one does it in the evening. See, and, and again, once you've done it, you don't get to do it again. So, so it's, you talk about a privilege and an honor, you know, it's one and done, and some of you will never get to do it. So they always hoped they would, and can you believe it? On this day, Zechariah drew the lottery and got to go in. It's somewhat akin to this. It's such a poor illustration, but when I was 38 years old, there is a place on this planet. It's called Augusta National, and for anybody that golfs, <laughs> It's the Valhalla of golf, you know? It is the holy ground. And <clears throat> I was 38 when I got there. It's unbelievable, you know, to go. Now multiply that by a zillion. Zechariah gets to go in and burn, <coughs> burn the incense. It's, a, it's somewhat of a humorous story to me at least. He goes inside and y'all, you know, you, they've been doing this for how long, you know? And he happens to go in, there's somebody in there with him. That's not supposed to be and it's an angel. So, so think of it this way, Zachariah on the biggest day of his life, with the, the time when he's got the highest privilege he'll ever have that many will never experience, the day he had hoped for really, the honor to burn the incense goes in, and this day is getting even bigger. There's more going on than he expected. This is where I'll have you look in your text at verse chapter one at verse 11. It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. What? This is the best day of my life, you know? I mean, it's amazing. He goes in and uh, this happens now, a couple of things I want us to <clears throat> to think about uh, as we as we look at what happens here is first of all. Um, most scholars, Bible teachers would, would agree, it's not unanimous, but it, the, the evidence I think is somewhat irrefutable, that when it says, the angel says your petition has been heard, we don't think that his petition was like he got in there and prayed, would you give us a son? We, we don't think that's what he prayed. Now I'm gonna give you two reasons that I think are reasonable and biblical. Number one, you're gonna see in the text in a moment, Zachariah is not a man of great faith. You know, he's a priest, He's, he's He's a good man, a godly man, but it's not like he's got the faith that you would think maybe and, and, and it doesn't seem that he would have the faith to actually pray, still pray, that his wife could have a son when they're old people. I mean they're you know, they're old people like I'm not going to name any names. So, like, you know, like me, they're old people like me, and so you know, they're she's past menstruation. She's not, she's not fertile, you know. And so I don't, we don't think he would be asking for that. And there's a second reason, and this is. Uh, related to the text and the culture, when the priest went in to pray, and you'll read it in the story, the multitudes were gathered outside. You gotta understand, there are thousands of people outside praying, and the priest, you see, goes in, and if this was the, you know, burning the incense, he gets to burn the incense, and the incense rises, and we know that the incense rising is like the prayers of the people going before God. And so, Zechariah goes in there to pray. It's not that he's in there to pray about himself. He's a priest. He's representing the people. You know, you know, if it was me, yeah, I'd have gone in there and thought, finally, what, what is has I've been praying for for years? I'm probably gonna get it today. You know, that's not what he's gonna do. He's gonna go in and he's gonna represent the people's prayer. He's not there for himself. And so what would be the people's prayer? What have they been praying for f- thousands of years? Messiah. Oh God, send your Messiah. What would they be praying? They'd be praying what, we, what he's saying. Deliver us from our enemies that we might worship you in righteousness and holiness. Forgive our sins. You know, the problem was their sin. That was the issue. Lord, Lord, make it that we would be in relationship with you and you'd have the rightful king on the throne, oh God, and your rule would reign. That's what they're praying. And so when when the angel comes and says, your petition has been heard, and then suddenly he realizes, oh my goodness, and we are gonna have a son, but he's not gonna be just any son. I mean, the man's a priest, you all, he knows that the prophets had said before Messiah comes, one would come. And, and, the, and, the, and he says it here in verse 17, I'm just not reading it. But the Gabriel says to him, look, your son's gonna be coming in the power of Elijah, just like the prophet said, and he will prepare a way for the people. So Zacharias knows that there's gonna be a forerunner before Jesus. <laughs> and it's gonna be his son, his son, can you imagine what's going through his heart, his mind, his emotions, desires, choices, his whole? Can you imagine what's exploding and rocking around in there? It's gonna be my son, it's gonna be the forerunner, a Messiah. I mean, I don't know, I I could could hardly, I don't know if you could hardly contain it. Now, what's interesting as well is he'd been praying all his life, they're old now. You know, during the fertile years, of course they prayed for a child, Pray for a child. Just as many of you struggling with infertility, of course you're praying for a child, of course, of course. And suddenly when God does answer this prayer for them, it's like, you've been praying for us, a child, I'm going to give you the forerunner of the Messiah. Which suddenly, their prayer for a child, you see, suddenly gets swallowed up in the greater story of redemption. Do you see how that story gets? It's like, we could give us a son, give, and God could have given them a son, and they could have had a nice life, and He could have carried on their inheritance. But God says, no, you're going to be enveloped in the greater story of redemption. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, God, you know what? We don't know what he was thinking or, 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 or feeling, I should say, because um, you know, we can't get inside of him. I think he'd be feeling a lot of what we were feeling, but we do know what he was thinking. We do know what he was thinking because the Bible tells us. I want you to look in verse 18. Here's what he was thinking. Zachariah said to the angel, How will I know this for sure? You know, it's like wrong answer. Oh, my gosh. Zachariah, this was your moment. How will I know for sure? For I am an old man, my wife's advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. You know what the word good news is? Gospel, gospel, I've been sent to bring you this gospel, this good news, which Luke will then use and the whole New Testament uses to speak of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because, let me tell you why, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Oh my goodness. You know, this is where I put myself in there and it's, it's that sense of which, this is the day. I'm burning the incense. Oh my word, my prayer's been answered. We're gonna have a son. He's gonna be the forerunner. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. And then the angel speaks and says, bah, you didn't believe me. You know, it's wonderful that, um, well, I'll, I'll talk about this in a moment. But it, in that moment, I, 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 I don't know. Again, this is my humanity, but when the angel looked at him and said, You didn't believe me. You know, what a sinking feeling. And you can't even talk about it. (laughs) And you'll be silent until these things take place. Well, he finishes his days of service, he goes home. Can't speak. Elizabeth gets pregnant. Uh, she stays in hiding for five months. She's secluded. She they don't want to know. At the end of the five months, she gets a visitor. Who visits her at the end of five months? Mary. Isn't this story fascinating? Five months in, Mary, and Mary's got a baby in her womb. What? This is crazy. This is God's plan of redemption. And then the day comes, and it's time to give birth. I want you to look at... Chapter, two, chapter one, and now we're at verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth. She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were gonna call him Zacharias after his father. But his mother answered and said, no, no indeed, but he shall be called John. Now we gotta, we gotta remember this. This would be like, you know, You know, in this day the names, you know, are really significant and they don't have a son, they don't have an heir. He needs to be named after his father. This is so you know, this is a no-brainer. In our day, you know, we care about what we name our kids, but I don't, you know, it doesn't carry the weight per se of, of of this for them, which is why all the people around them are looking at her going, Are you crazy? There's no one in your family named John. You know, it's gonna be Zachariah. There's no one among you, with relatives, who's called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted, to call, wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet. This tablet would have, been a, would have been a flat piece of wood covered in wax. This is how they would have etched, he would have etched this into this wax that they could read. He asked for a tablet and wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he began to speak in praise of God. And out came the song of Zechariah. Now, when uh, he wrote this in the Greek, when he wrote it, you know, it says his name is John. In the Greek text, the word, the name, John, is in the emphatic position. That means the emphasis position, which means in the Greek, it reads, John is his name. Not his name is John. Just to emphasize that he's going, John, John is his name, you see. And in that moment, boom, his tongue's loosed and he sings this song. Now, that's the backstory. I wanna suggest at least three lessons, if I may call them that, that I want us to ponder for a few moments, okay? And the backstory, I think, helps us understand the song, and it helps us understand our faith right now, okay? Three things to ponder. Here's the first one. Godly people suffer in this life. And you go, well, Lord. I think we say that a lot around here. I do, and we're gonna keep saying it because we need to be reminded, godly people suffer in this life. You know, walking with God is no immunity from pain, loss, and disappointment. And, and let's not forget, you know, there's, there's like a happy ending in a sense to this story, um, but you gotta understand, y'all, they were older than anyone in this room. Probably, they were probably older than anyone in this room. And they had lived that whole life childless. And while there are many in this room, and, and I know that struggle with infertility, and I don't want to take any of the pain of that away because it's so real and so profound. Lisa and I struggled ourselves. But some of you struggle with and you haven't had kids and, won't have, and, and you won't have a happy ending. You, you will not have kids this side of heaven. You know, that, that may be what God has for you. And so I don't wanna make light of your, I, I, it's a grave weight. But I, want, I, I don't want us to miss the context of them, of them, Zacharias and Elizabeth. Because in that day, you know, in our day, people can say insensitive things to you when you, haven't, you don't have a child or, even those of you who are unmarried, you know, can say insensitive things and they don't mean to, mean it to hurt you, but they just say it. Can I say in this day, they would say mean things to the person and mean it. You're not pregnant because God is against you. What have you done to God? How have you sinned that you would not be, have children? You see, that, that, that was just because it was so, ingrained culturally. You know, they, had, they had no future without a child, literally. you know, it, it was way massive. And so I just want you to, I want us to feel the weight of Zachariah, Zacharias and Elizabeth's pain and, and know they were good people. They didn't do wrong things. There were so many people around them that were not good, I'm sure, and had wonderful lives and seven sons, the perfect number, but Zacharias and Elizabeth had none. That was that was. of their life godly people suffer in this life it would be misapplication of the text I want you to know to take this and go well if he did that for Zacharias and uh, Elizabeth then he'll do it for me well that's not it's not what it says he did it for them and God had a distinct plan for their son and for them um There's a lot of, I don't know if they live long enough to watch their son beheaded, I don't know, but it's all not rosy even when you have the son. Um, But it'd be a misapplication for us to take that as applicable to you and to me. The truth is is that because they did believe God and because God kept his promise, the forerunner came, Jesus came, Jesus lived the life we couldn't, died the death we deserved, was buried and rose again. And therefore, because Jesus lives, while we may not get what we most want in this life and live with the shame and disappointment of it for a lifetime, the gospel tells us that Christ himself suffered. It tells us that God does know what we feel in our loss and our emptiness. And that while it may not be resolved this side of heaven, there's coming a day when the fullness of life as God intended for you and for me will come but it may not be in this lifetime. But yet in this lifetime, we can live with hope. This is the news of the gospel. Real hope, not that we're gonna have a son, but that God is with me and he'll use this even, even this for my good and his glory. Godly people suffer. Secondly, godly people struggle with doubt. I I, I am greatly encouraged by this, not because I'm a godly person, but because I struggle with doubt. And you often think in the Christian life, the older you get, the longer you walk with God, the more you know your Bible, you know, the more Bible studies you've been in, that your, your, your doubt wanes. I don't, I'll just say this, I don't find that's true for me. The truth is that oftentimes my doubt, I'm, I am more doubtful in moments at 58 than I was at 18. What's that? Uh, it's, it's a fallen world and a fallen body and God's sanctifying me and there are moments when I just go, there, there are moments when your teaching pastor goes, is it, is, is it real? <laughs> I have those moments. Is, I, can this, be... godly people struggle with doubt. I mean, Zacharias knew his Bible, you know, the, 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 the scripture better than I ever will. And at his moment of You know, it's the moment, you know, kids dream about all their life. Went the winning touchdown, hitting the home run, you know, making the hole in one, whatever. The moment of his truth, you know, he he dropped the ball with with doubt. Godly people struggle with doubt. What I love is God did not say, when you read this story, he didn't say, "Oh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, you doubted me. I'll just wait for the next guy tomorrow. You know, sorry, Zacharias. Had your chance and you had doubt. So, Leroy is actually gonna be the father of, um, of John the Baptist, coming in tomorrow. No, uh, he, he said, you know, you, you didn't believe. And it's not like he said, I don't believe you. He, he said, can you show me something so I'll be certain? <laughs> that sounds like me. Can you, you know, God, can you give me a sign? You know, will there be water under the Bible tomorrow? Now no water under the Bible like Gideon. Um, it, and, and so it's just this doubt in there. But, but, the, but the, the, the angel called it unbelief, you know? So there's a measure of unbelief there. We can't get away from that. But he didn't, he didn't miss God's great blessing, did he? God said, now you're going to not speak for, you know, till, these, the, till this is accomplished, you won't be able to speak. Whoa, that was a measure of discipline, instruction for him. What I don't want us to miss is, uh, what an act of grace. What a measure of grace to this man, Zechariah, struggling in his faith. What do you think is a measure of grace? Well, he he couldn't talk about his unbelief anymore. (laughs) What do you think he did for nine months? He's a priest. I, I would suggest he read the scripture. And what do you think went through his mind as he's reading these promises of God that are ancient and haven't come true in thousands of years, but he's watching his wife's tummy go out. And he reads this old promise of God that he's going, I wonder if it'll come true. And he's just watching his old wife blow up with a child. I want to... I know, I'm a, I'm a man. That's so clear, that, that's so, that's such a man statement, isn't it? Whew. Okay, let's say, I'll say it this, so Zacharias, what I'm saying is, I think Zacharias, in the same way that she was growing uh, in her pregnancy, I think in a, in a spiritual way, Zacharias' faith went from the embryonic, could you just show me to, so I know for sure, from the embryonic, okay? I think his faith grew in the same way that John grew to the point that when he opened his mouth, (laughs) it's just Old Testament scripture pouring out and the promises of God. Man, where's he been for nine months? He's been in God's word. And he's come to a deep, deep conviction that God keeps his promises. Um, Some of us, I've actually thought this. What a gift. God shut his mouth for nine months. What might that do to your faith or mine? I'm serious, think about that. What a gift to close his mouth that his faith might deepen. Godly people struggle with doubt. The last thing is this, godly people ultimately make private faith public faith. Godly people ultimately make private faith public faith. I have often thought when I'm reading this, I'm going, why didn't his mouth open when John was born? Right? Don't you, don't you read it and you go, well, you know, the, the angel said you're gonna be silent until these things come to pass. And it's like, wah, you know, here comes the baby and I would think that, you know, that Zachariah would be going. And he can't talk, but it's all happened. Why can't I talk? Eight days. He can't talk. He can't talk. He can't talk as good godly Jews would do on the eighth day, they took their boy in to be circumcised. Everybody said, we're going to call him Zachariah. Have you heard we're going to call him Zachariah? Yeah, we're going to call him Zachariah. Elizabeth says, no, his name is John. And they look at Zacharias, you know, you can name him John. John, there's no John in your family. He asked for the tablet and he writes, John is his name and boom, he can speak. Now what is that? What what what, what just happened? I, I want to suggest this: when you read the text carefully, when Gabriel spoke to him, he said, "Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will name him John." The "you" in that passage is singular. It's not "you" and "you" and Elizabeth will name him. It's you, Zechariah, will name him John. Had, Zechariah hadn't named him, but I'll tell you what: when he did the fire hydrant flew open. And the promises of, God, promises of God just poured forth from his mouth because the faith that had, the faith that God had grown in him privately, you all, you see, it became public. So it is with you and me. What's stirring in your heart? What, what's the faith in your heart? Is the faith in your heart visible to those around you? Because that's what happens which is why we, by the way, starting January 6th, will open the book of James and we'll look at active faith and what it is and what it isn't. His private faith went public and boy, his tongue went loose. With that, three lessons, godly people suffer, godly people struggle with doubt, and private faith in godly people will eventually be public. I want you to close your eyes for a moment and pause. And I'm gonna ask you what the Spirit might be saying to you. Interestingly, isn't it, that God took something from Zechariah, his voice, in order that he could give something to Zachariah. Maybe God's taken something from you. Maybe God's limited you. Maybe God has held you back in some way. And rather than stopping and listening and processing your faith in it, you've fought it. I don't know. What is God saying to you about your faith in the song of Zechariah? I can assure you of this if you're listening to him and what he's doing in your life right now. Zechariah, when he came out of the temple, it was customary to give a blessing to the thousands of people who were waiting and praying. And the blessing was the numbers blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace, a wonderful blessing. But Zacharias walked out of the temple and couldn't give it Couldn't give it. Nine months later, when he opened his mouth, oh my, it was more than a blessing. It was the prophetic promise that Messiah has come, accomplished all that he would. What a greater blessing he gave after nine months of silence. I want you to know, wherever you are and whatever you're going through, if you'll sit with God in that silence, whatever God produces will be greater than the thing you thought you wanted. Father give us ears to hear and hearts to respond in faith to you and what you're doing in our lives even when the very thing you're doing looks like it's going the wrong way. Zechariah would look at us today and say God never goes the wrong way. Help us to believe it. Amen.